Hey, it's Mastin. Welcome to the Mastin Kid Podcast. If you want to take your first step uh, on your trauma-informed journey, come to claimyourpowerbook.com and get my book, Claim Your Power. There are uh, a bunch of awesome free bonuses with that, including a 40-day coaching journey with me that will get you started on your trauma-informed path. Claimyourpowerbook.com. Enjoy. It's awesome. I put my heart and soul into it. And if you want to really start your journey to do your trauma work, claimyourpowerbook.com is the place to go to get my book, claim your power, and to get a bunch of free bonuses, including free coaching with me for 40 days. Please enjoy today's episode. Hey, it's Mastin Kip, and this episode of the Power and Purpose podcast is brought to you by my own event, Claim Your Power Live, which is coming up July 12th to 15th. And it's co-sponsored by my second event, uh, which is the P3 Immersion coming up uh, in September, October in Asheville. And uh, Claim Your Power Live, if you're not familiar with it, you can check it out at claimyourpowerlive.com. And really, this is a four-day immersion. It's not really just an educational seminar. It's really a trauma-hacking immersion. And if you want to go to the next level in your performance, if you want to take you know, the things that are blocking you and really go to the next level get beyond them, to go beyond just reading about stuff or wishing about stuff or talking about stuff, but really implementing it, getting the results, having experience, meeting a soul tribe of people in an environment of transformation, of possibility, of excitement. That's what Claim Your Power Live is all about. It's a four-day immersion experience this year. It's going to be in Orlando, Florida. Super stoked. We're going to be at the Hilton Orlando. They have a lazy river. They have a big pool. They have awesome rooms. I was just down there a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's really an amazing spot. So Claim Your Power Live is coming up July 12th to 15th. You can get free tickets until May 6th over at claimyourpowerlive.com. And then after that, there will be some promotions that we're running. But you want to bring yourself, bring your partner, bring your kids. It's a really good time. ClaimYourPowerLive.com. And then the second sponsor for this podcast is the P3 Immersion, which is my seven-day business building event. This year it's in Asheville, North Carolina. It starts, I believe, on September 29th. You can go to MastinKip.com forward slash P3, letter P, the number three, to check it out. You know, um, this is a seven-day deep dive on your business. So if you want to know what you got to do to get your business started, it's an implementation experience. I really pull back the curtain on all the stuff I'm doing and I don't hold back. So if you're in that soul sucking job and you really want to go to the next level and start your own business, the P3 Immersion Experience is awesome for that. And if you're currently stuck in your business and you want to get to the next level and scale it, automate it, um, the P3 Immersion, that's what this is all about. It's by application only. We don't accept everybody. So if you do apply to the P3 Immersion, please make sure that you give it your all. So come on over to mastinkip.com forward slash P3 to apply to awesome events sponsoring today's podcast. Claim Your Power Live, July 12th to 15th, 2018 in Orlando, Florida. Come to ClaimYourPowerLive.com. And then also the P3 Immersion, which stands for Profit, Purpose, and Passion. Come on over to MastinKip.com forward slash P3 to apply now. All right, let's get on with the Power Purpose Podcast today. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to season two of the Power and Purpose Podcast. This is Mastin Kip, your host, creator of Functional Life Coaching and best-selling author of the book, Claim Your Power. Super jazzed to be with you today in the second season of the Power and Purpose Podcast. The first season got over a million downloads and just so jazzed for season two. Today is a big conversation. It's an important conversation. It's a conversation really from the leading edge of the thought around personal development and how to really change your life. 
I'm super jazzed to bring you this interview today. This is an important conversation, so make sure to give it your all and pay full attention because today we have the none other than Lori Harder. And Lori is a leading expert in the field of fitness and transformational work, mindfulness, and even self-love. And she's grown two multi-million dollar businesses as a uh, successful entrepreneur in the network marketing field, which is a very uh, big and awesome field. But what we're talking about today is Lori's new book. It's called A Tribe Called Bliss, Break Through Superficial Friendships, Create Real Connections, and Reach Your Highest Potential. And you can get that over at atribecalledbliss.com. And here's why this book is so important, because... You know, we live in this self-love revolution. We live in this sort of me revolution where we're talking about my needs, what I need. But the real truth is in order to go to the next level in your life, to really get the results, your environment, your connections, your peer group has to match the life that you want to live. So Lori and I have a very important conversation about a fast track changing your life. And we dive deep into her uh, concepts in her book, A Tribe Called Bliss. This is a very important conversation if you've been stuck, if you don't really have a great peer group, if the environment that you're in isn't matching the life that you want to be living. This is a super important conversation. So please welcome and enjoy Lori Harder to the Power Purpose Podcast. Here she is. All right, Lori, welcome to the Power and Purpose Podcast. Jazz to have you here today. Okay, so this is so amazing, Mastin, because I am usually the person doing the interviewing and interviewing you. And I'm like, typically with your interview, I was super nervous. Your book was so good. I've been following you forever. And now I get to switch. Like, this yeah. is kind of surreal for me right now. Yeah, it's, um, well, you're, I, I want to tell you, I'm so jazzed to have you on. And I, I, I hear you, and it means a lot. And I will say, your interview was fantastic for the Claim Your Power book. And so many people from that podcast bought the book. So thank you. I just want to publicly thank you for that. Um, it's oh, I'm not so happy. To talk about, you know, trauma and stuff like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And we're here to talk about you and your book. And <laughs> I just want to just first say uh, that, you know, um, it's been such an incredible uh, – I watch this space. I watch everybody in the space. I see what's happening. I see who's coming up, who's – you know, doing stuff, how they're working together. And I gotta say, Lori, watching you just start and then just differentiate into what you're doing now has just been an incredible thing. And um, I, I, this, I know that this book will uh, completely change the trajectory of your career. It's going to change a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm just kind of like watching a train go by. A little <laughs> bit. Um, so it's a mutual admiration society here. And uh, I know that this is uh, the beginning of a very long and um, uh, awesome career in this space. So um, let's, let's create some context here for a little bit. So, you know, 97% of our tribe, uh, I'm using that word very intently today, uh, is female. Um, awesome. and a lot of them want to start businesses. A lot of them, uh, you know, have businesses. A lot of them want to, are owning their own careers and stuff like that, wanting to build relationships. And I love the title of your book, a tribe called bliss. Mm. Now that can be kind of scary for people sometimes, you know, cause it's the mean girl stuff. Um, and I know that we talked a little bit about this before. So can you just give us a little bit of high-level context if someone's never met you, if someone doesn't know what this book is about, what is this book and why did you write this book? Oh, man. So this book has so many reasons why I wrote it. And number one, I just have to say thank you for all of that. That was amazing um, to hear. And 
So the reason why I wrote this book was because I had really started in this career. I started in this career with fitness and we'll go, we'll go back a little bit more on some other stuff, but I want to give you a high level of where the book actually came from. Um, I started in the fitness world. I was told by some uh, coaches in the fitness world that it was really lonely at the top and it made me start to question if I even wanted to go there. I really started to question um, what I was doing because after six years of trying to do fitness competitions and try to land fitness covers, because I thought that's what you had to do to be a, a, I wanted to be like a Jillian Michaels or be a really big inspiration for people on television or in magazines or books, whatever that looked like. So I did what I saw everybody else doing and that was do fitness competitions. So for six years, I did these competitions where I somewhat, you know, made some friends, but for the most part, there was like one spot at the top, you know, at every single one. And it was, even though it was great and I had these amazing friends, I really thought that once I started winning, because that happened after six solid years of competing, yeah. that it would feel better than it actually did. So, you know, it was year six. I win three massive titles in a row. I set a world record and I go back up to my hotel room and I was all alone. And I was just like, here I am with these trophies, the champagne that I'm like drinking with my husband. And I just start crying. And I know that's like a, oh, poor you story. But it was a moment. <laughs> it was a moment where I'm like, oh my God, like all my other friends were going out to eat and hanging out and, and you know, they were doing their thing. And I just had this moment of, wow, I, I missed it. I missed what it was all about. And it was about the connections. It was about, you know, the journey on the way there. And I thought, I don't want this to happen to other people and I don't want this to happen again. And I don't want this mindset to be that there's only one spot at the top. Like, how can we change this? That's when it really started, uh, when my mind started opening up about it, but I didn't quite yet get what that would transform into, into my life. And so go from the, uh, the fitness career into, I had opened a gym in Minneapolis when I lived back there and I was training women because I wanted to obviously help transform people because fitness had transformed my life so much. And what was happening is we could work out, we could train, we could do, you know, we could work out like five days a week. And if they didn't change their mindset and you know, this nothing changes. That's right. So it was almost like I was observing that people were, you know, my, my roster was like filling up, my schedule was filling up. And I found that majority of our session, we were talking, you know, it was almost like they were getting res more results from us talking and really moving through what was holding them back and their, you know, lack of self-confidence and um, all these other things, their self-worth. And I was like, okay, I cannot train these women without this mindset part. And then yes. I started diving in myself because I was still kind of struggling with this um, self-worth idea, you know? So I was finding that while I was really growing myself and doing so much self-work that I was also teaching them. And this is when I decided for all of my programs, I'm going to add a mindset piece. So I added yeah. the mindset piece into all of my programs. And then I found I loved that so much, even more than fitness. <laughs> that yeah, I get I, that. Totally. <laughs> I was like, um, I think that I know that you guys know me for fitness, but I'm pretty sure I want to do this like mindset self-development event. And that was a crazy thing when I started doing it because fitness people were not doing that yet. Right. It was like, yeah, Who do totally. you think you are? You're just this fitness person and now you're going, you're talking about like mindset and, and, you know, belief and all of these different things in yourself. So 
that's when I started doing events. And from the events I found, and I know that you can so relate to this, it's like people crack open. They're finding their friends. They're feeling like they've never felt before at these events. It's like this magical container. And then when they go back to their environment, they have trouble holding on to what happened in that room. Yes. And it's like, okay, so why were they able to create this massive, um, you know, shift? Why were they able to finally experience and see who they really were within this room? And it's like, okay, well, they had a tribe. They were talking through it. They were processing. So how can I get them to have a tribe at home? And that's really where the book came from was trying to make sure that they can continue on with what's going on and what happened in that room and the connection that happened there and really start this at home. Well, and can I tell you why I think this is so important? And I actually think you are leading the pack on this in a lot of ways because it needs to be more focused on this. And here's why. You know, a lot of our work that we do is trauma-informed, like functional coaching is trauma-informed coaching. And we have people come to our events and they have breakthroughs. And I had that same experience of like, mm-hmm. why is it sticking? So literally just probably a month ago, I was speaking with uh, Dr. Jeffrey Bland, who's the father of functional medicine. He's Mark Hyman's mentor. I mean, the guy is like legend. And I uh, had the privilege of be with him for two days, sitting right next to him. And we started, I started just kind of workshopping with him, showing him the functional coaching model, which is based on functional uh, medicine. And he really loved, loved it. And he said one thing to me that really changed my mind forever on something. It was a paradigm shift, which, you know, paradigm shifts change your world. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, Mastin, when you have people down that trauma and they're kind of trying to find that new belief system, it's really important that you have them uh, be in an environment that matches that new belief. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why is that, Dr. Bland? Like, tell me why. And he said, well, because otherwise the environment's going to win, right? Always. So if you believe something, but the environment says something different, like no, no, no affirmation is going to get you there. Um, mm. And it really was a paradigm shift uh, in my thinking. And so that's been a, a major, it's majorly informed everything. And that's really what you're speaking to is, you know, your tribe, that's also your environment. And so mm. I looked at him, I said, so what you're saying is you basically need to like live in your vision board. And he said, yes, but you're taking it to the next level because not just in isolation. Mm. So I, that was, okay. So that's amazing. So this is exactly what this book is told is completely based on because of my own personal experience. So, um, I was raised in a really restrictive religion. Um, my whole family was, you know, overweight and I was also homeschooled through high school. So it was like that my family was my tribe. My religion was my tribe. And no matter how hard I tried, it was like I could not overcome what was going on in my home. And I had a couple aha moments that just made me just locked this in when I was about 14 years old. And I ended up, because I wasn't allowed to associate with people outside of my religion, my parents would like, literally, if I met a girl who was in my religion, we would drive two hours just so we could have friends. So two hours to get dropped off, like that's how it was. So I had met this girl that we totally hit it off and I begged them. I'm like, please, right? Because I want these friends. I'm like, please go drop me off at her house so we can hang out. And my, so we drove and met and I ended up staying for a week because if you're driving for two hours, you're going to like stay at someone's house. So I stayed for like a solid seven days. And at this point I was trying to uh, be healthier, just eat better, be more active because I was already feeling, feeling the effects of, you know, eating, you know, three helpings a night and, you know, two or three desserts at night. Like very, I felt depressed. I had anxiety. It was like all of the things that can come with all of that food all the time in just a very um, non-active lifestyle. So yes, I'm at the house 
for seven days. And I remember it was like the first night and I go, I'm like, so are we going to have snacks? <laughs> She's like, what do you mean? Like we just ate dinner. <laughs> like I legit asked her that. And she's like, we just ate dinner. And I'm like, but you know, cause I'm, I'm programmed to eat snacks like at night. And I was like jonesing and she's like, we have an apple. And I'm like, an apple? No. (laughs) So I go through the whole seven days. We're eating like three square meals a day. Um, We're playing outside all the time. You know, we're super active and I'm feeling amazing. And I lose five pounds in seven days. I have never done that before in my life. Like I would, you know, back at home, I was like scratching to lose like two pounds. So I go home and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like I just had fun and really didn't focus on food. And I had never seen that yet because I'd only been around my family. It was like, for me, paradigm shift, right? Wait a minute. What just happened? And it just made me realize that there were other people out there who aren't making food the focus at all. And it just wasn't a thing for them. So it was super eye-opening to me to go, wow, I had no idea there was this other, like this tribe, right? Where if you go over here, your whole life shifts, your environment shifts. And that's why like, um, you know, your environment is stronger than your willpower is kind of these words I live by. So before you can become the thing, you make your environment the thing and insert yourself into the environment. That's right. It's like so huge, so huge, (laughs) so huge, so huge. Um, huge. And that's really what the book is doing because for me, I didn't realize what I was doing in these different uh, pieces of my life. And it it wasn't only that moment because that's just one small moment as a teenager where I really realized this. But even through, um, you know, adulthood or when I was 18, I had to move away from home and break my mother's heart, break my parents' heart because I couldn't live under those beliefs anymore. And no matter how much I tried to believe that I could make it and that, you know, I was, I would be able to make money or I could make something of my life. I wasn't able to do it under that household. And believe me, I've had, this is an open conversation in my family. I had to move away until I could be strong enough to go back as my own person. That's right. And, you know, and even still, even still when I'm with them, I find myself slipping back into old habits and old ways of eating. And I'm like, you guys, we can't do this. Like we have to do something else. So, and it's taken so many conversations around just beliefs and, um, you know, tough conversations. And that's, that's what the book is about as well is how do we have these tough conversations? How do you pull yourself out of this environment? How do you create a tribe that is already where you want to go, even if you're not there yet? Yes. So I want to talk about that. Cause I think, I mean, what you just said is, is pretty much like, it's like the next, it's like the secret sort of introduces this idea of like what you think is what you attract. People mm-hmm. thought that meant with no hard work, uh, People also didn't realize that there's trauma stopping you and you have a nervous system. Mm-hmm. Um, the universe isn't some magical genie. But, but mm-hmm. what, they, what was really huge about The Secret, which I firmly believe is the visioning part. Like you have to have a vision. Otherwise, I mean, the Bible says it very clearly. Without vision, people perish. Mm-hmm. But you're making like the vision experiential, mm-hmm. right? So I want to talk about that in a second. But I want to kind of back up for just one second because when we talk, I always want to point something out that you just sort of went through, but it's very important that for people listening to catch what she just, what Lori just said, um, which is this. You had to disappoint people mm-hmm. to start your journey. And that's, I mean, talk about bliss, Joseph Campbell, follow your bliss, the whole 
the whole process of following your bliss is the first part separation from the tribe, right? Mm -hmm. Like to find yourself, to go on that vision quest, that journey, that self-discovery process. So just real quick, could you talk about um, what that was like to disappoint Mm -hmm. close people to you and, and, and know that like, it wasn't because it's not like, it's not like with spite, like, Oh, screw you. I'm going to do me now. Right. It's more like, this is an inner yes that I have to follow. Mm. And so, and I know that's going to disappoint you. So can you talk about like what that was like and how you did that and how you got through that? Because I think, you know, there's a lot of moms on Mm. this that have kids that are probably going to disappoint them. And Mm. there's a lot of kids who have parents that are going to disappoint their parents that are probably also moms. <laughs> right. Um, yes. So, you know, cause it doesn't matter how old you are. So mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about what that separation was like for you and how you did it? Um, yes, absolutely. And I, I, this is one of my favorite things to talk about because it is the thing, right? It's the thing that I believe really holds everybody back is the fear of not being loved by those people that maybe you believe you have to leave or transcend or whatever that looks like. And so at the time, when I was leaving, when I was, you know, 18 and really going through that, tra- uh, transcending that kind of tribe, the religion, the family, things like that, or just moving out and finding, finding myself. Um, it was probably up to the date, the most painful thing that I had done up, up until then, for sure, hands down. Um, and the, the thing that I knew though, is that I was in so much pain. One thing that I've always been able to do, but you can also learn, is to be able to look down the road about five years, 10 years, even a year, and realize that the pain that I'm in now is only going to increase if I don't take action. So I think when people have that ability to look down the road and do that, you can really create some shifts from that because it can, you can actually start to feel all that pain at once. And that's really powerful. Right. And that's something I've always done even since I was little, like, Ooh, if I keep denying this part of my soul that is screaming at me, this scream is going to get louder and louder and louder. And for me, it was like, it was like I was having an inner temper tantrum all of the time. Like my soul was like a toddler, like, let me out. And, and it was self-betrayal and just massive numbing. So 18 years old, I was already, you know, I was already drinking and partying and just doing anything to numb the shame and the guilt of obviously living also like a double life of the religion um, and not feeding myself the way I want to feed myself, not moving my body the way that I want to move, all of these different things. So at the time, I was able to take all of that pain and be like, you know, at the end of the day, I just have this feeling, because I think we all know it, that if we took care of ourselves and supported our soul, that eventually after all of the initial pain of leaving and having or having the conversations or removing yourself from the tribe, that you might be able to come back as a different person and help them as well. Yes. But you can't help them. Like you have to, if you're all drowning, you got to go take like your swim lessons and you got to go get your life jacket, but you're not going to be able to help them if you don't leave or go learn or go figure it out. And, you know, you can come back and help with them. And sometimes you can't help them, but we'll talk about that in a minute. Yeah. But that's where it's, (laughs) that's the, I'm in, I'm in that as well right now. Um, 
But that's really the important thing is, is being able to sit and allow yourself to reflect, like do this daily is to sit and really get real with where am I going to, where am I going to be in a year? If I don't have this conversation, if I don't take action, if I don't do this thing. And I'll tell you that we're never, you're never just staying the same. If you're not evolving, you're actually regressing and it, it will get worse. And I think that's something that's important to know. Yes. Huge. So I think that's awesome. And, and I think that, um, you know, one of the things that you, you, you said that I want to highlight is that it, it, there is a short-term amount of pain you have to go through, but mm-hmm. long-term you're going to help the people that you love. So it's actually yeah. a loving act, even if they can't see it in the moment, you know? So yes. I think that, and that's, that's leverage that I know I for sure used in my life to go through some mm-hmm. uncomfortable stuff uh, in my family uh, a couple of times, leaving, doing an intervention on my mom. I mean, all kinds of stuff, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, so yeah, I, I feel you on that. And thank you for talking about that because I think that's just, that's a really, really, it's like, it's like without that, the rest of the story of your life doesn't happen, right? Mm-hmm. That's like, that's like, you know, leaving most Isley Space Station, leaving Tatooine, you know, leaving uh, Jakku if you're Ray. Like it's that, it's that moment. I love Star Wars references, right? <laughs> I, love, I love now that there's like a female lead in Star Wars, by the way, so that women are like, oh yeah, Ray, like not Luke. You know, it's so cool. Um, but it's that moment. And the cool thing about, um, speaking of Star Wars, is one of my, the line that always gets me in The Force Awakens is, you know, Ray wants to go back to Jakku because he wants to have her parents. And Maz Kanata says to her, sweetheart, like the connection you're seeking is in front of you, not behind you. Mm. And every time I hear that, I'm just like, oh, like it just gets me. Mm. Like I can, my body gets shivers like even now. So let's talk about connection because I Mm -hmm. think, you know, what I found uh, doing the trauma work, especially with women is, and this is all people, but there's the people who have like healthy attachments where they, they they kind of feel like the world is going to provide for them that it's safe to be in a relationship or that their needs are going to get met. And then there's like the anxious attachment folks who are like, they don't know, like, is abundance real? Like, you know, is this person going to cheat on me? Like the last person, you know, will the business support me, et cetera. So mm-hmm. how the heck do you build and join a tribe? If you're anxious attached, if you're anxiously attached, which is most people today, when you're mm-hmm. not trusting other people, when there's fake news in the world, like, how do you do that? And then you throw mm-hmm. on top of that mean girl syndrome, like all that stuff. Like, how do you do it? Mm. I mean, this is like, okay, ready there. Cause there's about a hundred thousand layers. Actually, there's way more than that. Um, <laughs> that. So we're just going to pick a layer and we're going to go there and, and hopefully cover a few of these. Um, so with where a lot of people are at. It's the, we've been hurt before. We can't trust people. Our walls are up. We don't know where to go. And it's like, even if we did know where to go, we wouldn't know how to be. (laughs) Like we don't know how to show up ourselves. So there's, so in the book, I talk so much about self-work along with building your tribe. Because obviously in order to learn to trust people, that takes working on you. In order to enter into a relationship that's going to work, that takes releasing your expectations. That takes not taking things personal. That takes being able to forgive the voice in your head that's saying, oh my God, that was so weird. Why did you say that? Oh my God, you're not worthy of this room. What's going on? Why did you even come here? So without also confronting everything that's going to come up in a room where you are in a room or wherever you're, you know, you're trying to meet people, uh, you're, we're never going to be able to support a relationship or a tribe or attract them at all. So that goes hand in hand with it. But for me, you know, I'd been so hurt in the past, um, by women 
then I held this belief that, you know, all women are evil. I'm, I like get along better with men. Um, I'm better off alone. That was a huge story for me from growing up. So I always told myself I'm better off alone. You know, I can, I'm great just going and doing X, Y, and Z by myself. Like I've never had a problem doing that, except we all are lonely. And I yeah. think we all can admit that there is a part of us that when we watch Sex in the City, we cry <laughs> because we, <laughs> I know you probably or, cry, Mastin. Well, I do watch it if Jenna makes me watch it or there you go. Bachelor, but I can't stand it. But I do, I try. <laughs> I, I, try. Right. I, try, I try. I know. I feel you. I feel you. It's just it. like we want that. We want that connection, and I believe it's because we have this like self-amputated sisterly limb that we're like, why do we feel like we need something? Except we're just avoiding it. You know, mm-hmm. we're like, why do we feel like this is supposed to be here? Except we're so afraid of it. And I get it. You know, I've so been there. But the thing is, is that it is a relationship. So it's not like, you know, when you're, when you're dating and you're trying to find a partner, you're like, that's it. One person hurt me. Walls are up. Not going back. I mean, some people do, but obviously they know they have to trust again, yep. try again. And you also have to know that people are going in with their own set here we are, right? We're going in with our own set of expectations. They're going in with their own set of expectations. We're going in with all of these unspoken agreements that we feel that we need to have all these needs met without telling people what they are. So it's so true. So true. We're like, why did you disappoint me? Expression what I need. Yes, exactly. And we do this with women all of the time, especially. So what's happening now is like really nice women are reading, are meeting and are open, right? Because there's so many great places to meet people. Nice women are meeting nice women, except we're going in with expectations or best friend, even worse, best friend expectations. And now it's like, oh my God, how much time is this person going to want from me? Oh my God, my life is busy. How much energy are they going to want from me? What, what do they need me to be in their life and how to show up as? So guess what's happening in this world? We're not even starting. Like we're not, we're stopping ourselves before we're even getting started. So I think there's so many layers there of number one, you have to know it's just a relationship. It's almost the same as um, dating. It's mm-hmm. like, you will get disappointed. I'm not saying that building this tribe won't hurt you because it will, but you'll have a conversation around everything that comes up. And when I say hurt you, it won't be intentional, but at one point you'll either be disappointed or you won't feel worthy again, or you'll wish that someone showed up in a different way. But the book is about opening. It's about being a facilitator of conversation, of how do we move through the things that have been blocking us? Okay. How do we come in with agreements, right? Because if you've dated for a while and you're like, okay, now I'm looking for my life partner, you tell them, right? Sometimes, okay, don't do this on the first date, but you kind of start saying, you know, here's kind of what I'm looking for. Here's the expectation. Here's how much time I can spend with you. That's what it looks like. I did that on the first date. And it worked, it. but but That's I also did on first dates where it didn't work. So I don't yeah. know. I feel like especially today with like I never dated in the dating age of Tinder and swipe left, swipe right, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, me either. Like people are so like like where are you at? Where are you at? What's up? Come on, what do you want? Like mm-hmm. I think you should leave with it on the first date. I mean, don't you mm-hmm. think? I mean, like why not? Like if it's your person, don't you think it's gonna be like they're gonna be like not like because I remember I told my girlfriend or my partner now Jenna on the very first date I was like, listen, here's the deal. I'm not seeing anybody else. That's how this is gonna be. Right. <laughs> like from the first date, you know, I wasn't yeah. like, will you marry me? Creepy dude. But yeah. I was very clear, like what my intentions were. I said, listen, if I don't call back for a couple of days, 
it's not because I'm not with somebody else or because I'm with somebody else. It's because I got my business. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. Mm-hmm. And I created that certainty and that safety right away. And, you know, before that I tried to do that with certain uh, women and they, yeah. they ran, but Perfect, you know, right? now, I mean, the moment you're like, where'd you go? You were the one, but retrospect now with my partner, I'm like, Oh, well that makes sense. So, mm-hmm. you know, the mature perspective looking back at, especially when you're in a relationship, it's easy to say, Oh yeah, that, that didn't work out. It was meant to be in the mm-hmm. moment though. You're like, where's my birds? Like, you know, you emotional <laughs> stuff. But I think you should lead with it because what do you think? I mean, today with all the way that things are and how fast things are and stuff, it's just like out mm-hmm. with it. But like not I in mean, a way, right? I mean, I think so. That's actually what the book is. Like there's an invite in the very front page that says, I loved it. I'm looking for deeper connections. Here's what it will look like. It'll be an hour every other week. Like no expectations. Like if, if this isn't for you, that's great. If it is, and this is what you're looking for too. Awesome. Let's do it together. And then it also gives conversations around like if you enter into these, you know, tribe meetings that if it's not for you, you also have the script or the words to understand that you're you can get out of it. Like we're just not talking about. So I love that you did that. I'm like obsessed that you did that because my husband (laughs) did a lot of those tough conversations in the beginning too. Cause when we were dating, we were like, you know, I just, this is not working. If we don't say what, you know, that this makes me jealous or, you know, this isn't working for me that it was another failed relationship. So we're just not having, it's teaching women to have conversations about, um, expectations and about relationships and about how they want to be supported and about how they want to be spoken to and all of these different things. So, um, it is powerful because I have the last four years I have had a, uh, like a bliss tribe, but I was calling it a mastermind where this is what we did. We did not know each other before we entered into it. And Uh we had this set of agreements, like, this is what it looks like. Here's the time. If, if we ever go over, like, we still don't go over time. Like it'll be one minute. It'll be almost (laughs) like 30 seconds over. We're like, we got to go. Okay. Love you. Bye. That's funny. That's awesome. (laughs) Cause it's just respect. Right. And you know what you're getting. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and can I just also like from a male perspective, what I think is amazing about this, you know, um, I like again, I'm a six foot five white guy. I'm from Kansas. I grew up in the upper middle class. Somehow, I work with ninety seven percent women, and uh, it's a strange situation. So when, when I speak on authority on women, it's not like I'm just like randomly doing that. Like just who I speak with and interact with and have data with for years. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I've seen. Uh, that's a very big difference between men and women in general. Not always. There's always outliers and there's certain situations that are not always. But in general, it's like there's, you know, that good old boys club is alive and well. It's crumbling. But like most men have this idea that like I ask for what I want. I get it. It's mm-hmm. there. It's easy. Like there's a menu. I want the thing. Here it comes. Mm-hmm. And what I've noticed with women uh, is that they don't even have an awareness that they have a need. Because they're so focused on helping or giving something to somebody else. Mm. And that's like generational for like generation after generation after generation. I mean, Jenna's grandmother told us a story about like when uh, her uh, husband left when I think she was in her 80s. Crazy, right? In her 80s. Like she went to the store to buy crackers and she knew what type of crackers he liked, what Jenna liked, what the family liked, but she didn't know what type of crackers she liked. You know, oh my god! Right? I mean, it's such yeah, a thing. She's totally. like, she's like, she's like, got, she's like, sweetie, you gotta figure out what type of cracker you like. <laughs> and so, what I think is, so I get chills talking about it. Like, you're helping women understand that I have needs, mm-hmm. the needs are important, and here's how I ask for them, mm-hmm. um, and get them met, um, mm-hmm. and then navigate the conflicts that will come from that. And like, if you really think about it, that's a new thing. 
I think. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like, yes, the personal development conversation has been happening. And yes, we're in a huge age of women's empowerment and the Me Too movement's not stopping. The Time's Up movement is changing Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. But what you're doing is you're helping create healthy connections mm-hmm. in that community, which is the next step from the anger that's being experienced. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's why I think you're ahead here. Um, and it's amazing because you're also a woman. So you can say things with authority that I can't, even though I work with women, mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't come off, I can come off misogynistic or whatever. But in general, like, would you say that that's kind of true? Like, like trying to figure out like, what do I need? How do I ask for it? If I mess up, how do I repair? And then how do I create a healthy relationship? Mm-hmm. Like that's a new sort of in the zeitgeist, you know, mm-hmm. thing. Okay. I'm so glad that you just said that. Um, number one, I love crackers. Asiago cheese. <laughs> totally. I know. <laughs> you know what kind of cracker you like. I know what kind of cracker. <laughs> and crackers are like, actually my, they're my like Achilles heel. Yeah. Oh, I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so that, that's really huge. And, and one of the big things, you know, I'm going to, I want to talk about boundaries for a minute. Um, and what, how I think that that intertwines with that is I think that we're just so much, we, you know, I grew up watching women who really felt that love came from showing up for other people and people pleasing and that if they were not getting that reflected back to them and mirrored back all the time, that self-assurance and of love and, and always being there for people that they were not a good person. So it kind of goes against this good girl idea that I, I grew up with that. I watched my mom grow up with that, you know, even her, we had a convert with this book coming out. Let me tell you the conversations with my mother are getting, (laughs) nice and juicy, which is what I've always wanted. Um, so it's great. It's facilitating my own relationships right now. Um, but we were just talking about kind of what we saw growing up. It was like, you know, she was, her family was a bit disruptive. So she took on the role of the fixer and the peacemaker. And that meant not saying how you felt or saying what you needed. And I saw that in my family too. Like I didn't want to rock the boat, took that on. And I think a lot of females take that on. Um, of keep the peace, you know, the more that you can do for people, the better that you are and the better that you feel about yourself. Well, fast forward when life is getting even busier, where we have even more people in our life, more things, more, more things to go to. It's like, you're going to, you're never going to make it. That's you're, right. exa- you're exhausted by 9am. Like you're that's tapped right. out. You've already done everything. So, so it's really, that's where the boundaries come in. Number one, you know, when I'm at, when I'm at my events and I just ask them like, what, what is fun for you? They're like, I have no idea. (laughs) Totally. I'm like, oh my God, we don't even know what fun is anymore. Like we have no concept because we've never sat to say what would be fun for, what would bring me joy in this moment. And it's so powerful to even know that because then you can create a boundary and a boundary is the line between your personality and someone else's. And it's like, if you don't feel like yourself, if you feel resentful or have anxiety, that's exactly, that's exactly where you need your first boundary. So think in your life of where am I feeling most anxious or who am I feeling resentful of? And that's where a boundary has to come in. And a, a boundary actually helps you take care of the people you love even more and take care of yourself. So it's almost like we have to care less about all this in order to care more about the things that actually matter. And I think that it first takes the boundary of caring about yourself and what you need, even if it's a small boundary. Um, But boundaries are a toughie because 
what people don't talk about is I can say, you know, set a boundary and they're like, oh, okay, I'll set a boundary, but they don't know the language. They don't know how to have the conversation. <laughs> and then they have no idea that when you set a boundary, I firmly believe there's an equal energy backlash that comes back at you. Like, so you don't even, you need a, you need a plan for the boundary, how to set it and the conversation and how to have it. And you've got to know who to have it with, but then you have to have preparation for the second conversation when that comes of the, I don't think so. You're not setting that boundary. I don't like this. You're rocking the boat. This is, a, it's a pat, right? It's Tony Robbins. It's a pat. You're interrupting their pattern. So they're like, what's going on? That's right. So you need, that's really what the boundary section of the book. I just really talk about no one tells us what happens after you set the boundary and how to deal with it because that's why we're stopped and we go back to the initial tribe and we go back to the initial way that we were that is not filling our tank is actually like soul sucking from us. But we go back to it because it's the only form of love that we can like recognize in our life. And the only way that we know how to get love is to go back to the people pleasing. That's right. And, and yeah, I mean, spot on. And you know, what's interesting too, is that like one of the things that I've been learning over the last couple of years and, and in my own life, and then obviously whatever I learn, I immediately bring to my clients too, um, mm-hmm. is, is that also with resentment and um, with anger or whatever it might be, the trigger with somebody in a relationship mm-hmm. in the world, not only is there a boundary that needs to be set, I'm curious what your thoughts are on this. We've also really seen that whenever there's that like trigger, if you rewind a little bit emotionally mm. before the trigger, there's actually a need that's not being met. Mm. And I've found that like that anxiety or resentment is actually a really good cue for, to ask the question like, hey, what needs not getting met right now? Mm. And, and to rewind to go, you know what? I just want you to say that I got your back or like, I just what I really want to hear. And uh, you know, someone who I really respect said, she calls it like a rapid repair. And mm. you basically say something like, hey, you know what? Um, I hear you. And what I'd love to hear you say right now, rapid repair is blank. And it just gets that need met. And what's interesting is, is that like, I'm learning that like, holy cow, like that's been scary for me to even ask for what I want because, you know, even though I'm a guy, Mm. I was very much in that same caretaker role. And so me having needs, like I never learned that universe would meet my needs Mm. in a sense. Right. Yes. Uh, It was always like my needs will be met if they're okay. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Right. But then I'm learning like, Hey, it's okay for me to to ask this thing. It's not, um, it's not selfish for me to do that. So I'm just kind of curious, like when you mm. think about like manifestation, right? A lot of times it's like we're visioning, we're doing all this type of stuff. But do you think there's any value in like using that, um, uh, that trigger as also an opportunity to figure out self-awareness? Like what, what, what's in this? And then how do I get that in that relationship? Or maybe is this even the right relationship for me to get it in? Mm. You know, I, I mean, I know this is a book on tribe, but this made me really think about how I have used my relationship even with my husband to transfer to my other relationships because yeah, I needed exactly. to um, learn another language and learn how to tell him I needed, uh, how I needed to be spoken to differently. Otherwise we were going to get like a divorce when we started working together. Cause that was yeah. like, oh my God, this whole other idea come, or this whole other world comes up and that's what's happening. It's like, you're taking two different people. And again, you have those expectations that they know what you want, but going back to the manifestation thing of talking about how your need is not being met, and then looking at what's not being met and, and knowing how to have the conversation around that, right? And letting it be safe. So almost asking, you know, do you mind, you know, there were some things that really, I think I'm just being triggered by something, or you can obviously use normal words, or whatever's coming up for you. Um, but 
is it okay if I share how I'm feeling when this happens? You know, sometimes when this happens, I go back to a place where, you know, I, I feel anxious because maybe I wasn't feeling seen or I was being taken for granted. And you may not even know that this is what's happening on my end, but if you maybe spoke to me like this or said these types of things, I can understand what you need and then we can open up the conversation. So like just creating, I can't like what is not being spoken is not getting taken care of. So if you have a need that you are not saying out loud, it's going to continue to, that one's just, it's going to continue to fester. Yes. It's just, it's like having the, that's the hard part, right? Though I I feel, I can feel it in like my solar plexus when I need to say something and I'm not, and I'm like, Oh my God. And finding the power to overcome that spiked emotion (laughs) where you know, you need to talk, but like ride the wave and then find the words. And it's, (laughs) it's, it's like, you have to, I don't know about you, but, and this is, I talk about this a lot also because it's so huge that there's a, there's a big block before we have a conversation, but what, because it's just like scary, right? We might lose love. It's like super, I, I might start crying. I like this emotion is way too overwhelming. I want to run. Like, I just want to go away from it. So most people keep sweeping it under the rug. But the thing about tough conversations is that the emotional spike really only lasts like 30 to 60 seconds. Like it's the right before you're about to have that conversation with your partner about something that could really be make it or break it for you. Or that conversation with your parents where you might really disappoint them or they're going to be really upset that you feel a certain way. And we spend years being in pain to avoid about, honestly, it's probably about 60 seconds of like really spiked and and then you come off the other side of it. It's kind of like it washes over you and you're ready to, like, you feel so free. Um, don't get me wrong. There's a long, hard conversation after that. But the spiked, heightened emotions that you're trying to avoid that overtake your body really only last like 30 to 60 seconds. It's true. I, I know because I just did this two weeks ago. It was the worst conversation of my life. Um, but <laughs> after... Of my life, legitimately. Like, wow. Um, wow. But after the other side, on the other side of the wave, I was like okay, there's more waves coming, but I made it over like the tsunami. Like, yes. like now I can kind of ride these. They're going to be bumpy, but the big one that was in front, like that one's over. So that's incredible. Well, I gotta say, you know, I, I really, um, this book, Try Called Bliss, I think it, I think it's a must read um, because, you know, I, I think that there was the self-love revolution, um, which is kind of morphed into narcissism and disconnection. Mm-hmm. And I do think that the next step in personal development work uh, has to be how to be together health in a healthy way mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in relationship and in tribe. So I am, I'm just so happy you wrote this. I'm telling you right now, this is a, a, a book that's of its time, but also before its time because mm-hmm. um, like people are still like in the, the whole, like I got to do me thing. And that's kind of boring, right? Like, mm-hmm. you gotta get, you gotta, yeah, okay. We know what you need leave the toxic relationship like got it okay and like having that relationship having that tribe being together in a healthy way um that has to be the next evolution in this otherwise it's just isolation and, and we no human being can live in isolation mm-hmm. uh, we're all built for for connection so and especially as, you know with uh going into business uh on your own uh you know reaching out when you need help is such an important thing having that support system i can tell you people are like Mastin, you built your business by yourself. It's like, no, I didn't. No, <laughs> no way. No, like that's a, don't, don't ever say that to me. Um, so I just, I just want to tell you that I think this is an important book and I think it will become more important 
uh, over time because there will just be with this exponential technological growth that we're seeing mm. an intense amount of pressure on the human nervous system to have connection. Um, and so I, I expect this to be not only a bestseller now, but I think it will continue to be uh, mm. because people are going to pass it around. It's gonna, I, this thing is going to have a really solid word of mouth uh, mm. is, my, is my thinking. And the only other book I've ever said this about was um, uh, The Universe Has Your Back uh, when I interviewed Gabby. Uh, I was like, you know, Gabby, this is a special book. And I think this is a very special book too. Um, oh so man, I'm yeah, glad no, that's I'm, recorded. No, yeah, no, seriously, <laughs> I mean it, I mean it. Like, I mean it uh, because it's like, you know, the the the, the, um, the Me Too conversation mm. is evolving to um, we, because mm. everyone has trauma, right? Yeah. We all have trauma and we have to figure out a way to resolve it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not just women. It's women, men, black, white, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, mm-hmm. atheist, spiritual, Republican, Democrat, like we have to resolve it together. And I'm telling you, like, this is such an important book. And what I love about it uh, is that it came from uh, the data and pay attention to the people in front of you. Um, you know, not just, uh, hey, what, what should I just write something trendy? Like, it's a really, really solid piece of work. So mm-hmm. I'm just really grateful that you wrote it. And if you're listening to out of my voice, you got to get it, whether it's you're getting it today because it's coming out today uh, when we release this podcast or later after it comes out, you got to get it. So where can people um, get this book? Where do they so, go? Amazon is your website. Do you have a book page for it? Where's the best? I've place? got a book page, Mastin, and thank you for that. I'm feeling all the feels right now for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it is at a tribe called bliss.com. And you can go see all about the book. You can order the book there. Um, all the book tour details, all the good stuff are there as well. Oh yes, that's right. So book tour. So if this is, if you're listening to this uh, soon after it's posted, um, there is a book tour. Uh, that's coming. So you're hitting up Los Angeles on May 15th, Boston on June 5th, New York on June 7th, uh, Toronto, June 12th, and Minneapolis on June 14th. So um, if you're around or near any of those cities, uh, get your butt to this event um, over at uh, tribecalledbliss.com. All the info is there. You can get the book. And uh, uh, I know that like podcast interviews are supposed to be all like organic and like conversations and stuff, but you need to buy this damn book because it's so mm-hmm. good. Um, <laughs> and it's like, it's like, uh, like there's certain books that like, if I hadn't read, uh, wouldn't my life wouldn't have changed. So this is not like a, a I'm not making a sales pitch. I'm making no money on this. Just get the book because this is a, this is an invitation into the next level of your personal development. You know, we, we work primarily on healing trauma, but you're never really going to heal the trauma if you can't do it together. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is just a really, really uh, important book. So guys come on over to a tribe called bliss.com and um, uh, get this book. Uh, Cause I'm telling you get this book. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, because you know, you're listening to this podcast, you're probably driving in your car. You kind of have it in the background. So I have to say it a couple of mm-hmm. times, like get the book at a tribe called bliss.com because uh, this is important work. And uh, I just think you're going to have a better life. And by the way, if you're a man, getting this book will help you understand mm-hmm. your, your woman or women in your life a lot better too. Um, yes. So I can't uh, uh, emphasize that enough. So I want to give it over to you, Lori, any last words that you want to share, say, or um, kind of send, up, send us off on as we wrap up uh, this episode of the podcast. Mm, you know, I just want to say what you just did. I'm really trying to, with the book as well, just show people what support looks like because I think we're all, um, you know, out there trying to get our message out and we 
people don't hear it from you. They actually hear it from your tribe. So when your tribe steps up and when you step up, when you take on someone else's goal as your own, honestly, like you just did with doing that, that is what true support looks like. And it's a boomerang back in your life. And that's also why you are so successful. So um, it's teaching what support looks like. And that was so beautiful. And I'm so grateful that you showed up for me. So thank you so much. It means the world. My pleasure. Well, you know, I will say this for you and then for everybody else who's listening and wants to write a book. I'm telling you, a book launch is like a vulnerable moment in your life. Mm. (laughs) It's terrifying. Mm. And you really see who's going to show up, who's kind of showing up, and who said they're going to show up, but they didn't show up. Um, And it's like kind of like giving birth. It's extremely vulnerable. It's like your baby Mm. is out into the world now. Um, is it cute? <laughs> yeah, I know it's awesome. It's really well done. So, so, so I, 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 I feel you, and and yeah, this is this is is important work. So, thank mm-hmm. you for that, Lori. Um, so, guys, tribe called bliss Get your copy of this book. Go see Lori live, and um, as always, you guys, remember to get out there, take action, and make it real. We'll see you soon. Bye, y'all. Hey, it's Mastin Kip, and this episode of the Power and Purpose podcast is brought to you by my own event, Claim Your Power Live, which is coming up July 12th to 15th, and it's co-sponsored by my second event, uh, which is the P3 Immersion, coming up uh, in September, October in Asheville. And uh, Claim Your Power Live, if you're not familiar with it, you can check it out at claimyourpowerlive.com. And really, this is a four-day immersion. It's not really just an educational seminar. It's really a trauma-hacking immersion. And if you want to go to the next level in your performance, if you want to take you know, the things that are blocking you and really go to the next level, get beyond them, to go beyond just reading about stuff or wishing about stuff or talking about stuff, but really implementing it, getting the results, having the experience, meeting a soul tribe of people in an environment of transformation, of possibility, of excitement, that's what Claim Your Power Live is all about. It's a four-day immersion experience this year it's going to be in orlando florida super stoked we're going to be at the hilton orlando they have a lazy river they have a big pool they have awesome rooms i was just down there a couple weeks ago and uh, it's really an amazing spot so claim your power live is coming up july 12th to 15th you can get free tickets until may 6th over at claimyourpowerlive.com and then after that there will be some promotions that we're running but you want to bring yourself bring your partner bring your kids it's a really good time, claimyourpowerlive.com. And then the second sponsor for this podcast is the P3 Immersion, which is my seven-day business building event. This year it's in Asheville, North Carolina. It starts, I believe, on September 29th. You can go to mastinkip.com forward slash P3, letter P, the number three, to check it out. You know, um, This is a seven-day deep dive on your business. So if you want to know what you got to do to get your business started, it's an implementation experience. I really pull back the curtain on all the stuff I'm doing and I don't hold back. So if you're in that soul-sucking job and you really want to go to the next level and start your own business, the P3 Immersion Experience is awesome for that. And if you're currently stuck in your business and you want to get to the next level and scale it, automate it, um, the P3 Immersion, that's what this is all about. It's by application only. We don't accept everybody. So if you do apply to the P3 Immersion, please make sure that you give it your all. So come on over to mastinkip.com forward slash P3 to apply to awesome events sponsoring today's podcast. Claim Your Power Live, July 12th to 15th, 2018 in Orlando, Florida. Come to claimyourpowerlive.com to get free tickets. 
uh, before May 6th, and then discounted tickets after that for a period of time. And then also the P3 Immersion, which stands for Profit, Purpose, and Passion. Come on over to mastinkip.com forward slash P3 to apply now. All right. And I hope you enjoyed the Power and Purpose podcast today. We'll see you soon. Hey, it's Mastin. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. And before we wrap up, if you found value in this, one of the best ways to get this trauma-informed information to the world, if that's something that you want to do and to be a part of spreading the word, I would be so very grateful if you could leave a review on Apple or Spotify podcasts so that uh, you can review this. And hopefully it's a good review, but please leave an honest review. And especially if you want to leave a five-star review, I would be super stoked on that. But of course, just make it honest. But my goal is to share more trauma-informed information with the world. And I need your help to spread this information and reviews matter. So if you feel called to do that, would very much appreciate it. If you got value from this episode and from this podcast, we very much appreciate it. And uh, thank you so much for hearing me out. And if you feel called, please leave a review on Apple or Spotify, and we'll see you in the next episode.